Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You had to be there, the performance rankings, a slight tangent and the crappy quiz. Have you ever done therapy, Adrian? Specifically related to the crappy quiz, though. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. We've been uh, promising this one for, I think, about uh, three or four weeks. I'm delighted to say he's in danger now of becoming a friend of the show, but delighted to welcome back to the show, Naradine Chowdhury. Naz, how are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Very good. We planned to talk to you about United, but we've no time for any of that messing around. Uh, we want to give uh, all the time we have uh, to the book, which I've been listening to the audio book over the last um, couple of weeks and thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and I wondered, was it a book that you had been writing in your head over the years, or was it a more of a latter day? I must do this. Well, it was. It's, it's interesting because um, there was like, a, do you know, like with transfers, you always get um, teams having to woo a player or sort of convince them to sort of join or whatever. Like it was a little bit like that where the, the publishers approached me and kind of said, do you want to write this book? And then there was like a six week, sorry, six month period where I was like saying, I, I don't know about this. Like there's nothing interesting about me. No one wants to read about me. So um, yeah, it took a bit a bit of convincing for me to actually write the book because um, I think as with as with most people, you kind of, if somebody asked you to write a book about yourself, you'd be like, well, what's happened? I've yeah. not, I've not sort of saved a kid from drowning or I've not sort of uh, escaped to like a war torn situation. I've just I've just grown up in Crumpsall. So, um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad that I was convinced to do it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was it, it's really just something that um, came about because I was asked to do it, and then it was just a case of like um, how I go about it and how much football I put in it, how much of myself yeah. I put in it. Yeah, it's always a hard balance to get right. And um, was there a point where in that six months or once you started writing the book where you thought, oh no, actually. This there is something there. This is I, I do have a story to tell. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what I decided pretty early on is that it, there's no point in doing a, a history of United over over that sort of um, um, late eighties um, and and the whole of the nineties period, just because it's done before. Like, if anyone wants to know what happened during that period, there's 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 loads of better writers than me that can go into lots of detail about about individual games and individual results. Um, so I decided that um, the best way to do it was to be dead personal. So a lot of it, I mean, I, I, obviously a, a lot of it is to do with football, but it's about how football impacted my life rather than uh, going through every single result. Um, so a lot of it's just about, um, and again, like my parents came from, over from Pakistan, so they didn't have a club. So I didn't inherit a club. So a lot of it's about um, finding football, getting passionate about football, um, growing up in Manchester. So you, you couldn't escape it really. Um, but also stuff like uh, getting into like Manchester music, getting into Manchester fashion, all, all that kind of stuff. I loved how it could have been uh, um, Harlequins Inshallah, I presume, is uh, <laughs> going to ring a bell for you. Or like, uh, it could have e- easily have been City Inshallah either. Well, that's it. Again, it's, but, but, but I think this is with everyone, but especially with um, communities uh, from a diaspora community, whether it's um, sort of people from Pakistan or, 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 or people from sort of the West Indies or Ireland or anywhere, is that um, your parents decide where to settle. But you, you don't. You, you're just born there. So um, I could easily have. My family could easily have settled in Brixton or Liverpool or or Newcastle or, or even Toronto or somewhere abroad. So it's a 
they happened to settle in Manchester, and and then it was a case of um, uh, thankfully it wasn't Harley Quinn, so it was, and, and I could uh, be saved from uh, salmon trousers, and it was more a case of like, is it City or United? But it's funny because that that decision of which football team to choose to support or any sporting team to choose to support, sometimes it's not a decision, sometimes it's passed on by a, by a parent or whatever, but. You, 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 you touch on the book, two of your mates when you were a kid, Terence and Thomas, and uh, there was a great line from the book. He said, uh, everyone, everything else being equal, it should have been City, as Adrian said. Terence was a better mate, plus he had Panini spares of the likes of Jason Beckford and Andy Dibble, a sweet in the deal. You went with Thomas, though, in the end. Why was that? It was it was purely because 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 the thing is, Terence was was a was a closer mate, but Thomas was just obsessed. Uh, I mean, and and I think that's always incredibly. Um, sort of uh, attractive in anything where somebody is so passionate about something that uh, you can't help but be interested as well. Um, and it's a, it's a little bit like, 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 like I'll, I'll meet somebody who's mad about, about rugby or mad about um, anything. And, and suddenly that thing takes on more importance just because they care about it so much. Um, so, so yeah, it's it just the fact that my mate Thomas was just obsessed with United and, and that attract, attracted me more than anything. And, the funny thing is that um, obviously United have always been uh, like historically the bigger club, but at that time, I think both clubs were kind of struggling, and uh, it was just unfortunate that because City City were in the second tier at that point, and they'd got promoted, so there'd been a few years where I'd got into football and did not, did not been a derby. Um, but then uh, in '89 there was the five-one, and and I, and I thought, oh no, I've made the wrong decision. <laughs> It's very much uh, definitely, and, and particularly in the latter day, in light of how, how good City have got recently. You, you mentioned a bit earlier on, just obviously about it. Not, um, I can't remember actually. Did you say it was not quite a football book, or there's not a huge amount about the football bit in it? Like it does feel as if it's a book about like belonging, belonging, or like being part of something almost kind of uh, bigger than yourself. And you speak about the challenges of a uh, the come for a kid of a uh, first generation immigrant family. Has your experience? Because like these are themes that are. Like it was really interesting to read. In my case, listen to your experiences of um, I don't want to put an age on you, but like thirty odd years ago, um, and what it was like growing up around football at that time. And I just was interested to, to get your view on the difference of that time versus now, and whether like football slash society has moved on to be a more inclusive environment for people of all backgrounds or no. Um, well, it's funny because when I was growing up, things were things weren't great. There was lots of racism. There was lots of, um, funnily enough, there was it was more to do. There was more racism about um, people like me being Pakistani rather than being Muslim. Whereas it's kind of flipped the other way around now. But throughout the time I was growing up, and as bad as it was, especially in the it looked like in the eighties and then in the nineties, there was always a sense that over time things will get better. And you, you kind of saw that, and uh, and you thought people are going to get more um, sort of welcoming of different people. People are going to mingle, have have communities where there's all sorts of uh, uh, sort of multi multicultural influences, and and year by year, um, people will become uh, more accepting of, of everyone, um, and that's certainly how it felt. But then there's that there's there's that kind of heartbreaking realization that you get where you kind of think actually life's not like that it's not it's not a sort of it's not a an incline of things getting better what it is is cyclical so you will you will have situations where you feel as if people are being accepted more and and racism and prejudice and xenophobia and 
and um, prejudices against like the LGBTQ plus community and things like that, uh, that's going to get better. But then there's a there's a whole new wave of hatred and 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 that's that's one of the sad things. That's it's not quite included in the book because the book sort of ends in 1999 for, for obvious reasons. But then a few years later, there's, there's 9-11 and, and all the sort of um, fallout of that. And, and yeah, and it's, and, 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 and then you've got the the rise of, of, of right-wing politics around the world. So it's a, it's a little bit of a bittersweet thing that where you, you kind of expect that things are going to get better. And then, and then, uh, and then you realize life's not always like that. You have this intricate, beautiful way of, of, Describing the the even the football match day experience with with your faith as well, the communal nature of going to a match even as early as the prologue you're talking about, uh, and, and it's great advice as well if everyone's anyone's ever going to a match take out the AirPods get out a stop earlier on the tram, there's that sense of belonging. Um, it's it's almost even for people watching or listening who aren't religious, it almost is a religious experience for people heading to a match. Completely, and and, and again, it's in in one sense it's very easy to sort of crowbar that analogy uh, and and sort of try and bring this artificial sort of comparison between football and religion together but but there there are similarities and whether it's whether it's going to a pub or whether it's uh, having a community sort of um sort of social club or whether it's it's a church or a or a mosque i think a big part of that is doing something together you have your internal beliefs and you have your sort of internal sort of morality. But then beyond that, what makes religion or anything like that special is you are part of, of something. You you have you all have a core belief. And you may be different in loads of ways, but you you have this one thing that you have in common. And in a lot of ways that is mirrored by football in in a different way, in, in that um growing up i had so many different identities that i was coming to terms with especially as a teenager i think everyone has everyone's just finding the way everyone's rebelling against the parents everyone's trying to be an individual everyone's trying to bind their tribe and being pakistani muslim um working class mancunian there's, there's loads of different things that you come to terms with and and some things you're more proud of than others and then you you grow to be proud of everything but the great thing about football is is you ad- you identify yourself as a fan and suddenly you're welcomed in and it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is you've all you've all got that one thing in common and that's all that matters and and people will have your back people will uh befriend you and talk to you in a way that doesn't always happen in other parts of life and and that's the that's the great thing about things like music and it's a great thing about things like sport and football in that um, it breaks down all sorts of barriers and suddenly you find yourself becoming friends with people that you, in, in any other situation, you'd never meet and, and you, pr- you probably wouldn't talk to. And, and that's a that's a beautiful thing a, a, about football and, and that's why um, that's why it, it means so much because it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter this much. Like, even, even like all the sports that you've, that you've discussed on your show today or, or, or every day you record, none of it should matter. It's sport. It's people running about. Like, why, do, why does it, why are people so obsessed with it? And the reason why people are obsessed is because, A, it's something you can share with other people around the world and in your community. But also it's that thing of, you you work your life you work your five days a week or you or, or you do this job or that um and and then 
once or twice a week, you forget about all of that and you can escape into this thing that sometimes can break your heart, but sometimes can be amazing. But it's it's this thing that you all do together. And um, that's an incredible point, that one about like seeking out things that actually uh, that we have in common, which is just like not what we tend to do as societies. Like there's um, I was struck by your comments earlier on. There's a hashtag on the rise here, unfortunately, which is uh, Ireland is full. Uh, you can imagine the I wouldn't recommend you look it up anytime soon, but you can imagine the um, ideas uh, that are behind that. Um, trying to create points of difference with people is was there because it feels like the um and I was going to say early but maybe not all that early bubbling up of brexit style philosophies and and um thought processes uh was did it feel like that was a pivotal moment Nas, for you in terms of that sort of like it feels like that sort of flushed people out of the middle ground almost you had to kind of either either I'm for inclusiveness or I'm part of those uh horrible hashtag uh, hashtag movements yeah well i mean you talk about sort of writing the book and, uh, and and I was talking about how I thought that no one would be interested in this book and therefore why write it? Because I didn't want to do something just for the sake of it. But once I started to think about it and w- once I started to, started to think about the kind of book that I wanted to write, um, one thing that was really important to me was to show people that I am, I am an Asian person. I am of Pakistani heritage and I am proudly Muslim. I'm not just culturally culturally Muslim. I am I'm a practicing Muslim. But if you read the book, hopefully you'll realize that I'm just like you. Like like there's there's so many similarities in the way we enjoy life, the way some things happen in our lives, like 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 uh, the book covers um death the the the, the deaths of loved ones, um mm. It covers sort of uh, euphoric things and sad things, but there's so many similarities between us. And you talk about that hashtag and you talk about all the rampant um, prejudice that goes on in the UK as well, especially fueled by the right-wing press. And I guarantee that all these people who are who are saying certain places are full or they don't want these people to come here, they have not met those people that's why um, if you look at the demographic or if you look at, look at a map of places that voted Brexit or, or sort of places with certain prejudice uh, or bigoted uh, political views, it's always places that don't have that multiculturalism and it's always those, those places that are, that are away from the city centres, the, the inner city areas where people have met pe- people of different backgrounds, have... I've gone to school with them, go to work with them, and realise that there's no difference between you. Mm-hmm. And 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 if and if there's one if there's one thing I'd love for the book to achieve, it's for somebody who's maybe not met a Muslim or not met somebody with from a Pakistani background to read it, and it just gives them a different view of what a Muslim or a Pakistani person is compared to what they will read in like the Daily Mail or whatever. I think um, there's an Irish songwriter and a singer and a poet called Imelda May who, like, in relation to um, Ireland, specifically says we don't get the right to be racist for um, historic reasons of emigration. And, uh, I mean, I think that uh, that definitely sums it up. Not that anybody in that uh, hashtag is going to be too interested in um, what Imelda May has to say, of course, but uh, that's unfortunately what you're dealing with. This book is lots of fun. It's... Um, 
uh, I listened to the audiobook. There was loads of laugh out loud moments. You love a good list now, as it turns out, as we do around here. <laughs> a nice top five. Uh, your top five players from the nineties. This is this plays well with an Irish audience. <laughs> yeah, with well, a Cork a Cork audience. I should. Say. I was going to say particularly a Cork audience. Yes. I mean, it's it, it had to be. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I had to include uh, Roy Keane, but then Dennis Irwin. What a player! <laughs> um, I actually, I actually. Everyone talks about because there's certain players who are so underrated, and everyone talks about them being underrated. That in a funny way they become overrated because mm. everyone's talking about them being underrated. But I still believe that Dennis Irwin is incredibly underrated to this day. Like I think I think there's assumption there's an assumption with people who've not seen him play that he was incredibly dependable and a seven out of ten player every week, and that's what made him so great. And it's not. He was a nine out of ten player every week. He could do everything. He mm. could he could he could play both both fullback positions with ease. He was two footed. He would he, he these days you've you've got players um, who play fullback that are either very good defensively and poor going forward, or or the opposite are amazing going forward but then defensively weak. He was it would be difficult to identify what he was better at, mm. and and yeah and and I had to include him and th- but then obviously. Kino, um, he had to be in there, but yeah, and uh, uh, but I think uh, yeah, uh, my number one choice won't be a, won't be a surprise to anyone, especially in that era. And it's even the cult heroes as well. <clears throat> now, as like you mentioned, Andre Kanchelskis, and you're talking about laugh out loud moments. Uh, one of the lines you had, um, he a precocious precociously talented footballer from the USSR, me an asthmatic little Asian kid with a stutter and a dream, a Cold War thawing foreign exchange program that only one of us was aware of. Like, and he's one of those players as well, Kanchelskis that that is probably under the, the term cult hero, but to remember players like that that just bring you straight back at the blink of thought to, to your childhood must be nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there was there was tough times writing the book because it, obviously it's like a, it's almost a, a weird kind of therapy to sort of go back to your childhood and remember stuff that you'd forgotten about. But there was great moments as well. And uh, yeah, uh, and, and it would seem weird to some people that... Uh, the thing is, like... Apart from Cantona and Kinchelskis, I don't think I really devote that much time to individual players. And so it might seem a little bit strange of all the star players that we had during that period. Um, I kind of zoned in on Kinchelskis as one of them. But again, it's it's about how it made you feel at the time. It's not it's not me as an adult retrospectively looking back and thinking, oh, that was a really important player. That was a really important game. If that was the case, then I'd, then I'd be focusing on United winning the doubles, but... Uh, and 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 and, uh, and 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 certain other important trophies, but to me, growing up, the the, the European Cup Winners' Cup uh, win in 1991 was seminal, and Andre Kachelskis was just magic to me. I look back m- far more fondly on Andre Kachelskis than I do uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, and even if you take away any kind of controversy, I still would because. Football ultimately is how it makes you feel. It's not about who's got the best stats. It's not. It's not about who's got the best X, uh, XG or who's who's won the most most trophies. It's the it's the players that uh, gave you those special sort of uh, moments and those emotions at the time. And Kinchelskis is completely is absolutely up there. And 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 again, like it's slightly after the book, but I've got a massive massive soft spot soft spot for for Juan Veron, and he didn't exactly. Um, flourish at United, but I'm so glad he played for United, and and uh, and I will always remember some of his passes and some of his goals more than players who scored uh, hundreds of goals for us because because that because of the because the way he made me feel. Mm. 
Um, it's an incredible read, an incredible listen. I really enjoyed it, I, I must say. And um, it just the the tension with City is there all the time. Uh, the Brian Kidd, that Brian Kidd, and then this other guy over here, and that Peter Schmeichel, and this guy over here, and Mark Hughes, who was your first footballing hero. Yeah, first, first footballing hero and, and first player that, that I went off rapidly. Yeah. I, but again, but again, it's, it's with, with with United fans. There's this thing of like, there's there's Mark Hughes who used to play for us, Spark Hughes, and then there's there's Leslie, there's there's Leslie Hughes who who went on to Spot City and was just this kind of like uh, bitter old man. So who look who looked like a his half brother, a member of the home home and away cast. <laughs> for for anyone thinking of buying the book as well, just even for the chapter titles, like there's for for anyone who's ever been in the Stratford End or in the pub around Old Trafford before a match, there's a famous chant: "Hello, hello, we are the Busby Boys." There's a chapter called "Halal, Halal, we are the Muslim Boys," which is just the greatest <laughs> play on words I've ever heard. So, even for the chapter titles alone, now I think it's worthwhile. <laughs> I think any self-respecting United fan needs to get out and buy this and uh, I'm not and I thoroughly enjoyed it as well so there's something in for everybody it's called Enchila United and available at uh, good and bad bookstores online audio bookstores all of the above Naz it's always a pleasure thanks a million thanks a lot and thank, thank you for not mentioning the game last night I appreciate it <laughs> we, we were out of time we were like we'd <laughs> set aside seven minutes at the top of the show to pour over the, to pick through those seven or eight minutes uh, specifically we'll do that again thanks a million OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.